Welcome to the Wano Ahu Podcast. I'm Brandy Higa, and today is Thursday, February 29th, 2024. And we're joined this week by Zoo Director Linda Santos. And Linda, thank you for making some time because I know this is a really busy time for the zoo. Yes, it is, but I'm happy to be here. So thank you for having me. Yeah, and first off, we're, we're getting you on because we have just a few days left for the public to vote in the USA Today's 10 Best Contest. Um, so we're reminding folks to vote. I don't know about you, but my routine is, is I vote the first thing I get up in the morning so that I remember to vote every day. Um, when, when are you voting? So I either vote first thing in the morning, but I leave early. So if I miss that, as soon as I get in the office, yeah. then I vote. But let's scoot back a few weeks. When you first found out that your Honolulu Zoo was in the top 20 in the running for, for best 10, um, what was your reaction? I was very excited and very um, honored. Uh, the staff we have here work really hard. Yeah. So it's a tribute to their um, hardworking um, abilities to make the zoo look as good as it does. You're here at the zoo every day. So in your mind, what makes the Honolulu Zoo really one of the best in America? I think location, for one, we're in Hawaii, so who doesn't like the climate? Um, we have a lot of botanical aspects in the zoo. It's a very green zoo and then a variety of different animals for being a zoo on an island. So um, it's a special place for the community and surprising when the guest enters um, they're shocked to see what's inside and we get a lot of positive feedback from visitors. When you say um, things that are kind of unique to our islands, uh, I'm aware of, you know, how this was started as something originally just, just birds? Yeah, so originally it started as a bird park yeah. and then it sort of um, transformed um, having a menagerie of different things and then it became a zoo and the fence went up and it was... Um, really where they developed some exhibits and brought in some um, different species. And what kind of things can people see here that maybe you can't see at other zoos across the nation? I think our native collection. Yeah. So, you know, Hawaii is very unique and we do have some endemic species. We have now on display a Hawaiian stilt. We have a koloa. We also have the nene, which is our state bird, and the conservation efforts, and our ectotherm, which is the kamehameha butterfly, mm -hmm. and the uh, uh, snails. And what's new at the Honolulu Zoo right now? So the Prius building is coming to a completion. Oh, wow. And so we're hoping that we can open that soon, and there'll be some public comfort stations up there, as well as the Hawaii Wildlife center is working out of there with volunteers to help us with rehab for native species um, and we re just resurfaced our flamingo pond up front so that'll be opening soon we're doing a lot of construction the bird buildings getting rebuilt right now to mm -hmm. support that collection and a lot of smaller projects so the zoo is continually to um, uh, improve its habitats and um, just guest experiences. Yeah, I say wow because it's kind of nostalgic almost because I remember when we used to enter through that that side. Yes. Um, and not just, you know, that building itself will have an iconic look, right? But um, Flamingo, you, you first entered, I remember as a kid, you entered there and then the Flamingos are the first thing that, you know, you took a picture in front of. What were your first early memories of this this space? So, you know, for me, it was um, coming in and yes, coming in and seeing the flamingos first. 
but um, I remember the old elephant exhibit. Yeah. You know, and so that's one of the things because before you even got there, you could smell the elephants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was exciting. And just the fact that, you know, they had so many different species. I was always excited as a kid to come in. And I remember the Galapagos tortoise was there when I was a kid, and they're still here now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we've launched this campaign asking folks to vote to help get Honolulu as really the best zoo in the country, everyone's kind of talking about their first experiences. And I know I, every kid that grew up here probably has a picture by those two hippo <laughs> sculptures. Um, and they do remember the elephants. I remember everyone kind of gathered around every time they got their feet um, worked on yes. and things like that. But something that has got kids here and families here recently is our baby rhino. Oh, What's yeah. the newest with Akamu? So Akamu's growing really quickly. You know, he's He's going to be coming up on a birthday. Oh, that's right. In April, it's about that time, April 19th, yeah. I believe, is his first birthday. So we're hoping to do a little um, celebration for him with enrichment. Baby first luau. <laughs> yeah, baby first luau. <laughs> but he's still nursing. They nurse up to two years. Oh, wow. And okay. um, it's kind of comical to watch because... He's no longer small enough where he can just stand. So he has to like almost lie down to get underneath mom. Yeah. Because he's almost the size of mom. Wow. Well, I know that that's popular, but what's the most popular animal here? I think people come and they like to see elephants. Yeah. And we do yeah. a wonderful elephant talk um, to educate the public on our girls. And they get up close enough so the public can really get a good look at the elephants. What time does that happen? Is that daily? It's normally daily around 1.30 in the okay. afternoon. Uh, and I wanted to ask you about this because I know that um, when it comes to accreditation, uh, we're up for review again. Is that next year? Uh, yeah, we'll apply this year and they can come any time after our application goes in in the fall. So what does that mean for this year? Once that application goes in, are we able to be under more stringent checks or, or what happens during that time so during that time uh, so there's an application process so we start working on the application now because yeah. it's a lot of documents that right. needs to be submitted and they're going to look at everything um animal welfare um you know our exhibitry finances our collaborative partners so which would be the zoological society our concessionaire um, our education programs so it's a huge um, undertaking to submit all the documentation. Yeah. Um, but it's also um, a time for us to review. We have a maintenance plan and we review our facilities monthly and we go through. But if there's anything that we really need to spruce up, now's the time to work on that and make sure we meet the standards. So for those who weren't familiar, when did the zoo lose its accreditation? 16? I think in 16, 15 or 16. 16. Yeah. And then you came in in 2017. Yes. So, you know, the zoo's made some really big strides under your under your administration. But what worked the first time around? Because I know that it's not just the upkeep and the grounds and it's also personnel. Um, yeah. You have to kind of get your, your employees on board. What worked for you? that you're hoping to kind of continue or, or replicate? I think it's, you know, getting the staff to understand how important accreditation is for the zoo and what doors it opens for us. And um, our staff's really hardworking and yeah. they want to be accredited. So they put all the effort into making sure that everything was spotless and housekeeping and 
you know, everything was put away neatly because um, sometimes when you're in a rush, you just kind of leave things around. So we made sure that, you know, that everything was safe and they understood all the policies and they had, um, you know, we did all our drills and what, what they were for and why we do them. Um, so it was getting the staff on board, but also building the relationships with our partners, which is um, the Department of Enterprise Services, mm. the Zoological Society and our concessionaire. And it was to really get everybody um, on the same page to move in the same direction. We're talking about the year that you came on, the years prior, but zoo directors have come and gone. You're the first female zoo director, which is a pretty cool thing to say. Um, but what do you think has worked for you? What has led to your success? Because they came and went and, and you're you're still here. I I really don't know what the, the key to it was. But I just know that... Um, a lot of the directors uh, maybe didn't work well with the municipality situation or dealing with our partners. And so building those relationships with um, the different organizations in the city, as well as our nonprofit and our concessionaire really got everybody to understand what accreditation is and how the zoo operates, what our needs are. And, um, you know, I don't think other directors really looked into using all the different support agencies within the city that was available to them. And that's one of the tools um, I could take advantage of. So that's like DPR, DFM. Yes. So all the different departments and agencies like DIT, mm. DDC, which is our design and construction, just working with all the different agencies that provide some support to the zoo in some way or another. I'm not that familiar. So when you say municipalities in other major cities, like the San Diego Zoo or Cincinnati, um, are they directly connected to the munis to the city government? Are there any zoos like this? Um, there's a few zoos that are still municipal zoos yeah. that are sort of run by this, the city and county of whatever state they're in. Um, but a lot of zoos have um, privatized and so they're run by a board um, or they're run by the nonprofit. And then you have zoos that have split it that have public private partnerships. Mm -hmm. Um, and so although we're a municipality, we also have a huge support group, which is the Zoological Society. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. And the municipality provides so many opportunities for us, um, you know, because we have DHR that helps us with recruitment. Mm -hmm. um, there's DDC who helps us with our design and construction. So these are all the things that the city provides for us where if we were privatized, we'd have to pay and have someone on staff. And you know, it's just different. We, we can take advantage of using the tools that we have already in place. But I know that there's certain elements of when you have like a public-private partnership where, where revenue generation uh, works a little differently. But here, we haven't even been on a full year, full, I guess, calendar year since um, the price hike went into effect. But just from the short time that it has been there, um, has there been an effect on visitor numbers at all? Yeah, so um, we have some really high uh, attendance days. Normally weekends, holidays, we yeah. see a bump up in attendance. Um, you know, we're still coming out of that 
pre the COVID yeah, situation, yeah. the Asian market is still slow to recover. And um, but we're we're definitely seeing a lot of tourists and school groups are returning to the zoo. Also, oh, visitors are coming back. Visitors are coming back. Yes. And for those who aren't aware, when the price hike, you know, was passed by city council, went through all the the procedures. Why was that necessary? It was necessary because it everything cost, you know, the price of food, uh, materials, building materials, supplies, every, the price of everything has skyrocketed. And being on an island like electricity, water, fuel, that's so important. And so with that price hike, um, it'll help us cover some of our expenses and um, bump our revenue up. And it hasn't gone up for... When's yeah. the last time the zoo even raised its prices? Uh, maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of touched on this, but what else is that revenue used for? The revenue is used for um, uh, repairs to the zoo, um, animal food, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever we need to support animal enrichment, um, medical supplies for our um, hospital uh, medications and um, you know just basic needs to keep the zoo operational. I'm sure that a lot of kids when they were younger wanted to work at the zoo but for you you get into work and what's your what's your day-to-day like? Oh it it changes <laughs> you never know what to expect but normally I get in and I check my emails to see if there's anything important I need to address. Um, and then I normally touch base with my general curator and my office staff and we talk about operation of the zoo, like any big medical procedures coming up because we do annuals on every animal. Wow. So if there's and a, how many? Yeah, there's how many animals is that? 800, close to 800. Okay, animals. so you're monitoring the 800 yeah. uh, animal lives on top of your human personnel lives. Yeah, yeah. so staffing, we discuss staffing and, you know, because as people retire out, we need to fill our positions. Um, we did have a lot of um, our older staff retire, so we're in the process of getting all those vacancies filled as fast as we can. Um, and then medical procedures, um, we're, we're discussing animal shipments, um, what the SSP, which is a species survival mm-hmm. plan, has recommended, and discuss coordinating, bringing animals in, shipping animals out. Um, we're also looking at exhibit renovations, construction projects, project management. So it's going to a lot of meetings and discussing the different projects and then new exhibit design. So we're working on that, getting the staff involved. Um, So it's meeting with the staff and getting um, their input on exhibits um, and what we'd like to see in them. Um, So it's just facilitating a lot of um, progress in trying to get us moving forward. Uh, so going back to you mentioned hiring so what positions are you hiring for right now where's the greatest need so we always want to fill boots on the ground because those are the people that are servicing our animals Mm -hmm. and we want to make sure we have enough staff to care for the animals properly so our zoo animal keeper ones are always our priority priority as well as our uh, medical staff because they're the ones there to treat animals when they're not feeling well or they need a procedure done and then we look at support staff like in administration Mm -hmm. or education and those kinds of things. So you've been here for how many years now? Uh, I think 36 or 37. I started in 1986. 86, okay. 
And so through those 30 plus years, what's the coolest thing that you've seen here? I've seen a lot of cool things. You know, I've seen a lot of animals born. Um, but, you know, I started my career heavily in the bird area. That's my background actually is birds. And so um, one of the coolest things that I got to work with was um, hammering African ground hornbills. <laughs> so we incubated and from egg and, and hatched out the chicks and got to feed them. And um, that was really exciting. And I didn't realize what a long um, hammering process it would be because they're sort of these clumsy big babies <laughs> and they still need your care. Where most um, passerines or, you know, perching birds, they take 14 days and then they're fledged and ready to go. How long does a hornbill take? It took 70-something days um, wow, from okay. start to finish. And um, then they were able to get weaned and eat on their own and so then turn them loose. Where were you before this? What prepared you? So um, I, did a, I attended a little workshop. Um, early on in my career on incubation and hammering that was put on by actually um, AZA. So I did get to attend one of those. Um, but prior to that, um, you know, my back, I, I actually worked in the hotel industry prior to coming to the zoo, but my background um, was birds. So I did do work with um, the state and um, fish and wildlife and mainly with native species and those projects were all done out in the field in the forest. What did that entail? What kind of work did um, you do? We were looking at um, different things. So we worked with um, studying um, avian malaria and avian pox, which is a mosquito-borne disease that's killing off all our native species. And then what did you do in the hotel industry? <laughs> this is, we were all over the board. <laughs> so this is when I was really young. So <laughs> I was still in high school and okay. then right after high school. And I worked for... Um, Aloha Beach service and so I booked all their activities for tourists which was canoe rides, surf lessons and all that. Okay stuff. so the customer service customer side. Customer service side yeah. I see. So you have the animal side, the customer service side and then you married it. <laughs> Do you ever get to sit back and watch the kids and families enjoy kind of the fruits of your labor? Yeah I do. Actually when I'm out in the park and I get to walk around and I, I'm you know, I'm obviously not in a zoo uniform all the time. So when I'm out in the park, I just look like a regular visitor. And so people don't know who I am. And then I hear the kids, oh, look, mom, you know, yeah. it's the baby rhino. And they get so excited or they're looking at the hippo. And, you know, it's just it's just nice to see kids appreciate the animals. Yeah. And for this is kind of for me, <laughs> I'm curious. You mentioned, you know, the staff and kind of getting them on board and knowing how important accreditation is, but also letting them know like, hey, you guys do a really important job. Is there anyone that you look up to a role model or any leadership styles that you try to mimic? And there's a lot of role models for me, but, um, you know, there's been people in my career who, like Dr. Ben Okimoto, who was our previous vet, he always had a very calm demeanor, you know, nothing really excited him. And you could have like the worst situation happening and he was always very calm, huh. handled it. And yeah. I'd be like, okay, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. You know, we got through this. And um, so we've had a lot of 
people in my career that um, before me that had sort of this very calm natured attitude and very um, humble and appreciative of what the staff did for them. So that kind of passed on to me. Hmm. Well, Linda, I know your time is valuable. Is there anything we missed? I don't think so, but you know, I'm just excited that we are nominated and I hope people are voting. Linda, thank you so much. Thank you. So and you heard her. Don't forget to vote. You can vote every day for the Honolulu Zoo. Head to honoluluzoo.org to cast your vote right now as you're listening. At last check, we were in fourth place. Yes. We got to move up. <laughs> uh, voting ends on March 4th at 6.59 a.m. Hawaii time. So head online and vote now. The zoo needs you. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we'll be back with Mayor Rick Blangiardi right here on the One O'ahu podcast. Until then, aloha. <laughs>